That was good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. And it takes a lot of work to, to practice and get that all done like that. I appreciate the diligence to do that. I'm thrilled about being here. Uh, I'm glad you're here this morning and made it out. A cold, bitter day today. Boy, it sure can't change from one weekend to the next, can it? We got some confused trees out here, though. They're already budding. Did you see that out there? There's, I think they're going to be in for a shock here, I'm sure, in a week or two. I, um, the passage of Scripture that we just read is both encouraging and, and kind of discouraging, I suppose. For it says there at the very end, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's pretty rough. That's pretty tough to, to deal with. But then he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then he goes right back and says, so let me remind you, though, that if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And the battle that we face in, in America today, the battle we face in this community today is, that, is whether we believe the word of God whether it really is true or not. And, uh, and we've gone through a couple of generations now, really since the 60s, where the Bible has been taken out of, the, out of our school system. But really what has, been, what has destroyed us is not that it's, it's out, not that it's out of the school system. It's when it was taken out of the school system, it seemingly was take, taken out of our homes also. The truth is, is that if we had the Bible in our homes, it, this is terrible, but it won't, won't be so serious what they teach them at school or what they fail to teach them. But the Bible is essential, and, and of course, they've taken away the Ten Commandments and taken away everything else, and I'll talk about that in just a second. I have a word of prayer, and I'll get, get started. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, guide my mind. I yield myself to thee. And ask you, please, Lord, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to discourage anybody. I want to only encourage Lord, uh, uh, sin has destroyed homes and families and marriages and lives. And Lord, we must address it. We must face it. And Lord, I pray, please, this morning that you would help us. Holy Spirit, guide my mind and my thoughts as I yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever come into a room full of kids, maybe your own, and there was a disaster you know, we had six kids and all girls, and I don't know if you understand this, but girls fight. You know, I know everybody thinks girls all get along all the time. They never fight. They never have a problem. But, but girls can cause a little bit of chaos. Now, I've found from having, from uh, I think 11 grandsons that nothing like boys because they can destroy everything quickly. But you ever come to the room and, and, and something's destroyed? I mean, it's uh, the lamp's broken or the, there's marks on the walls or the, the Coke is spilled on the carpet. And you walk in to those kids and you say, who did this? Of course, you don't say it that mild. It's like, who did this? What's the answer? Let me tell you, they all blame one person. His name is not me. You can go to every one of them and say, who did this? Not me. Who did this? Not me. Who did this? Not me. There are only five of them in the room, and you can go to all five of them, and not me did it. And I will look around the room and say, where in the world is not me? 
He's got to be in here somewhere because he's the one that did it. And it's amazing, he does it all the time. Now, if that's never happened to you, it's because you don't have children. What's amazing is sometimes you can watch them do it and they'll still deny it. You ever had that happen? You saw them do it. And they say, I didn't do it, Daddy. Liar. And you think, how in the world, what can possess a child to just so blatantly lie like that? I'll tell you what, the genes from their parents. You see, I, when, when uh, I had a little four-year-old daughter, well, I had six four-year-old daughters <laughs> at one time, but uh, I had a four-year-old daughter and my wife came to me one day. I came home, I was in school, as a matter of fact, I came home from school and, and uh, she said to me, she said, Rob, we got a problem. I said, what is it? She, she said, Heather stole a necklace from the store. I was devastated. I just knew I reared a kleptomaniac. <laughs> She's going to steal the rest of her life. What am I going to do with it? And then until I remembered that at four years old, I stole. And I, I, this is incredible. When I was uh, seven years old, my mom and dad gave us uh, BB guns. My brother's eight years old. I was seven. They gave us BB guns. Let me just help you. That's not a smart thing. But they gave us BB guns, and they gave us all the rules. You don't shoot them at animals. You don't shoot them at the buildings. You don't shoot them at each other. And you don't while they're looking. And, um, and so uh, one day, I ended up, as a long story short, one day um, we were playing Cowboys and Indians, and my brother uh, left the tree that he was hiding behind, ran, jumped on the ground, rolled on the ground like a cowboy, and shot at me. And I wheeled around from the side of the house and shot him, and he went, and when I got there to him, there's a BB stuck up in his head, right there. Do you know when my mom found out how that really happened? In 1992, I wrote a book. <laughs> and I told that story. And watch this, my mom was reading the book. It was dedicated to her. And she was reading that book and all of a sudden she came in the room where I was and she was mad. And I said, mom, what's the matter with you? She said, you lied to me. I said, what are you talking about? You told me that ricocheted off a tree. I said, mom, I just never dreamed you really believed that. She said, you lied to me. I feel like whipping you right now. I said, well, don't read anything else I write, man. There's a lot more that you're going to find out about. There's questions that need to be answered by everyone sitting in this room today. And, and these are some hard questions. And, and sadly, that's probably the last humor I'm going to use today. But first, do you believe, do we believe we have the true word of God? Do we really believe that we have the true word of God? And the second question is, in your heart and mind, answer this. Does it simply contain the word or is it in fact all of the word? 
You see, if it just contains the word of God, then any part you don't like or agree with wasn't supposed to be there. Wasn't really the word of God. Thirdly, if it is the word of God, is every word in fact true? If you say this is the word of God, is every word in fact true? Now understand, it, it quotes the devil lying in the word of God. So you say well, the statement the devil made is not true, so not everything's true. But the statement is a true statement that the devil did make it. Does that make, are you totally confused? But number four is this, will we agree with what we say is truly the word of God? Now, if we believe it's the word of God, and we believe it's all the word of God, and if we believe it's all true, then if it tells us something that we don't agree with, will we submit to the word of God and agree with it? How are we doing right now? I've gotten two amens by here, and they're just both liars. But anyway, <laughs> anybody else care to say amen? Fifthly, is there anything in your life that you would admit violates the word of God? Is there anything in our lives, mine included, that the word of God, listen to this, this is hard now for this generation. Is there anything in your life, in my life, that God calls sin? The scripture says in our text today, if we say, we, listen to this now, this is what the Bible says. Everybody with me right now? Are y'all Okay. Because you're mad already, we're in a heap of trouble. The scripture says, if we say that we have no sin, watch this, we deceive ourselves. And look at this, and the truth is not in us. Now the truth, the word of God is the truth. And God's saying, the word of God is not in you if you say you have no sin. You're deceiving yourself. Amen. Listen to me. I'm not out here to try to point fingers at anybody. I'm just telling you, I'm fighting against a movement in our nation, in our world, that just says we can go to church, we can feel good, we can go home, and nothing, we never address anything that we might call sin. He says, too negative. We got to be positive. You know, you got to be positive about everything and smile. It's all good. Now, let me help you, folks. I'm not being mean at all, but I'm telling you, the scripture says, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. So if we don't look at sin in our lives, look at the word of God and find out what sin is, and God already says, if we say we don't have sin, we're deceiving ourselves. If we let sin remain in us, it will bring forth death. Now, am I right if I just let you continue, let myself continue in sin? Would you be right if your child walked out into the street out there, into the highway in Winchester, and stood in the road and they're four years old? Would it make sense to go get them? Amen. Would it make sense to tell your children that's not the best place to play? Right. Amen. That old buddy of mine back in Memphis State, 
he, he, we went to sit down in a restaurant one time and, and, uh, and it, we, we got through and, I, and I, uh, the lady came up there and I tipped her and he wasn't going to tip her. I said, hey man, aren't you going to tip her? And he, he looked at her and he said, uh, yeah, uh, don't play on the expressway at night. That's a good tip. I thought, man, I'll slap a fool out of him. And I probably did. <laughs> but look, you know, here's, we've got a Christianity that, that just says, I'm not going to tell you anything sin because that would be mean. So what we do is that we deceive ourselves that there is no sin. And watch, the scripture says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we simply allow people we say we love die. Spiritually die. Lives die. Marriages die. Our children die. Spiritually erect and ruined. Because we just don't want to face it. We don't want to... I, I preach a lot on, on the family and we'll, you know, God willing to allow me to maybe while I'm here and and I'll preach some message on the family, but, but in that, I have to address things that we did wrong rearing our children. And I'll have virtually every church, people will come to me and say to me, that's hard to face, that, that you're telling me that I did something wrong in the rearing of our children. I, and I tell them, ma'am, I'm not trying to hurt you, sir, I'm not trying to hurt you, but those that come behind us have to find out what we did wrong or they'll continue to, to do what we did. The Word of God states that all of us are sinners. All of us have sin in our lives. And if we refuse to believe or admit this, then God says we deceive ourselves. Paul, possibly the greatest Christian that ever lived, said this in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 21. He said, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. You know what that is? I'm fleshly. Sold under sin for that which I do, I allow not for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. You see what he's saying? He's saying the things I ought to do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I end up doing because I'm flesh. Look, folks, if you have sin in your life and listen, you do because God says if we say we don't, we deceive ourselves. So we must have sin in our lives that we have to deal with. We must have battles in our lives that we have to deal with. Paul said he battled with it and probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. He said, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more than I, that I, I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that as in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. Listen to that. He says, I want to so bad. But listen, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said, anybody here, you want to you wanna live right and not mess up and not sin? Anybody? Amen. We want that. And Paul said, so do I. And he said, but I'm, I'm, I'm made of flesh. So we're going to fail at being perfect. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody perfect. And why is that true? Because for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I to do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. 
And again, this is a generation we don't want to, we don't want to, let's don't go there. Before anyone can get saved, listen to this, before anyone can get saved, before anyone, which means having eternal life in Jesus Christ, which means trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that term saved, it means that I'm saved from hell and saved to heaven. Before anyone can get saved, they must first understand they are lost in sin. It's part of the problem we deal with. As you witness to people, they don't want to believe that they are bad enough to go to hell. Listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. And we've got to understand that and that that sin must be paid for. And if it's going to be paid for, there's only two choices. Either I pay for it in eternity in hell or Jesus Christ paid for it for me. And I can take that payment. They must first understand their loss in sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not some, but all have sinned. We must understand and agree and admit that we are sinners. We must understand that according to the word of God that we come short of what we must be in order to enter heaven through our own righteousness. For there's none righteous, no, not one. Once we admit and agree that we are sinners, we must also agree that there's a penalty for that sin. As I said, sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. The, the scripture says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Now listen, Jesus will not force himself upon us, but when we realize there's no hope in ourselves and we admit we are sinners in the sight of God and that sin must be paid for with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then, then we have hope. You may say, I've never, you know, the scripture says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 says, but the fearful and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Man, this list is horrible. It's abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, which is drugs and, and drug dealers and idolaters and worshiping idols and worshiping the, the mind of man and the heart of man. And this is all horrible kind of thing. And then it says, and all liars. You know, God threw that in there because he is saying, look, okay, all you good righteous people say, well, I never do that and I never murder anybody and I'm not a whoremonger and I'm not gonna, and God said, and all liars. I'm not even gonna ask you if you ever told a lie because my daddy taught me a long time ago that the man that says he never lied just told his first one. How about it, folks? You say, well, wait a minute, just telling one lie doesn't make me a liar. Well, first of all, you hadn't told just one. Second of all, what does it take to be a liar? The moment you tell your first one, we're all liars. And God says that all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's pretty, that's pretty serious. And we will unless that lie, that sin is paid for by Jesus. Not all, now all this seriousness is for a reason. And, and, and I know I, I enjoy enjoyable messages like anybody. I really do. I mean, I, I, 
I would love to write all positive books and I would like to preach all positive sermons. But it's kind of like this, you know, my, my wife would, she's, she's a very, very positive person and, and I'll see something that I know is going wrong here and, and I'll say, baby, that's, you know, this is going to be a problem. And she'll say, Rob, be positive. And I'll say, okay, I am. I'm positive it's going to be a problem. <laughs> so. But most of Christianity today wants a savior without facing their sin. Most of Christianity today avoids all mention of any right or wrong. The the church philosophy in most churches today is this. Everyone must walk out of church feeling like all is okay regardless of what is happening in their life. Whatever they're doing is okay. And watch this. God loves you no matter what. I've already preached about this one. If you've came to, God loves you no matter what, right? God's love never changes. Is that right? And that love of God has told us that sin will destroy us. It was the love of God that brought that. If he did not address, if we did not address sin that is destroying us, then we really don't love. But the love of God brought the truth that tells us that sin will destroy us. You see, therefore, most of Christianity in America today lives no different. Listen to me, because the philosophy is let's not address sin, let's not talk about sin, let's not deal with sin, let's surely not name any sin. Here's what's happened. Most of Christianity in America today lives no different, because of this, lives no different than the world and the sin and the consequences of sin permeate their lives and homes and marriages just like it does the lost. The people without God live just like the people that say they have God. The people that don't go to church pretty much live like the people who do go to church. But scripture tells us that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And and I'm going to just throw a hard question at you. But can you name one sin in your life? Can you name one thing that you struggle with? I don't mean you're glad of it. And I'm already already preaching to you about the fact that we we can't condone it. We don't approve of it. But the fact is, is that, but there are, look, folks, is pride a sin? Okay, let me help you. We all get caught up. Pride's the root of all sin, I believe. And it's in all of us. We get prideful about something. We always know it's right. Every argument we ever had, watch this, only by pride cometh contention. Have you had an argument with anybody in the last month? Have you had, okay, I didn't have an argument. I had an intense discussion. Okay, did you have any kind of conflict or disagreement with anybody? Can I tell you what that is? Husband and wives, do you understand what that is? Only, watch this, watch this. The word of God says only. What does only mean? Yeah, let's define it. Only. 
Okay, only by pride cometh contention. That means every one of us have pride in us. That's a sin. And you know what? Daily, forgive me, but daily I go to God. Nightly is when I, when I do my time of really confession. I go because that through the day I said, Lord, I probably got a truckload of stuff I got to confess to you, but I don't hardly ever leave out pride. Jealousy, envy, you ever, look. Bless God, I'm forgetting your name right now. You just drove up in a car. 1954 Chevy, and the moment he did, you know, my heart said, Sure would like to have that. Yeah. You know what that is? Envy. And I don't care, I still like to have that. But it's wrong. God says envy and jealousy and, and look, hatred. Our world's full of hatred. It's so sad, you know, you go, I go even around the area and so many people are so sweet, but periodically I'll meet somebody and you can see in their eyes, as soon as I walk toward them, they don't even know me, but they hate me. Sin. But we say, oh, well, I didn't murder anybody and I didn't commit adultery and I didn't do... God says there's a lot more sin than that. Has there ever been a time when God revealed, or God has spoken to you, or the Word of God has revealed to you something that should not be in your life? Has there ever been a time when you admitted to God that you were a sinner? Watch this now. Has there ever been a time... For everybody in here, has there ever been a time when you looked and said, God, I'm a sinner, and because of that sin, I deserve to go to hell? But I need you to save me and give me the gift of eternal life. We won't ask him to save us and give us eternal life until we really understand we don't deserve it. We owe eternal death for our sin. Have you as a Christian ever admitted that something has entered your life that, that you would have to call sin? What is sin? It's, listen, it's not determined by our feelings, our environment, our beliefs, our culture, or what we think. My, my kids over in Africa, that, that's part of the battle that they face right now. Is it, it's like it, it, the, the culture says no matter what someone does, no matter how they act, all they simply have to do is just come back and, and say, uh, uh, but I, I need you to help me. So you've got to help me even though they're in sin, even though they're attacking. They, the, the, the truth is just the culture there that they're dealing with is, is so irrelevant to to them, and it's a culture. America, we have a culture here that just says, the culture in Christianity, that sin is no longer sin. They started it in, when I was here in Memphis in the 70s at Memphis State. They started a movement back then in our Baptist churches that you can just say sin, but don't name sin. But listen to me, if I don't tell my children what's wrong, they're going to have to wait until they've already hurt themselves to find out. It'd be better for me to tell them what's, what's wrong. And God has told us what is sin. 
It's not what we think, though, or our environment or our beliefs or our culture or what we think. Sin is described by, the, by God in his word. The foundation of sin is found in the Ten Commandments, and that's why the schools and the government and our nation has ripped down the Ten Commandments because they don't want people to see their sin. It says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He said, well, we don't worship idols. Listen, the biggest idol we worship in America is right there. We worship the idol of materialism. And listen, that's nothing to worship because ain't nothing in it. In my account anyway. God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when we put anything before God, when we say that something I studied, something somebody told me, something I just choose to believe is above the word of God, you make yourself God. Number two, it says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And, And number three, it says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh man, the movies, the, 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 the TV, the music, everything. Take the Lord's name in vain. And that's horrible. But listen to me, that's not fully what it means here. To take the name of the Lord in vain is to call yourself a Christian and not live like a Christian. He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He says, honor thy father and thy mother. Oh, my goodness. That's the, that's, that is, and look, the secular world will tell you that the millennials right now, that is the area that we struggle incredibly because there is no respect for authority. There's no respect for mom and dad anymore. There's no respect for leadership. The respect has been just torn down. You say, Does that, is it in everybody? No, it's not in everybody because, bless God, there's still churches that are teaching that's not right. There's still families that are standing up and saying, you better respect your elders. Listen, anybody that's my age or older knows that, that when, when you were around adults, you looked at them and you kept your mouth shut. Boy, that doesn't happen today. It's because this has been taking out of the word, of the schools, of the teaching, of even of our homes. Uh, we did last, last year, we, uh, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, we bought a, a framed Ten Commandments and, and got a book from, from a pastor. There's a very good book on the Ten Commandments explaining each one of the Ten Commandments. And that was the Christmas gift to each one of our families, each one of our children. It says, thou shalt not kill. And watch this. Well, I've never killed anybody, but remember what Jesus said? If you hate them. And watch this. Jesus said, if you could kill them and get away with it, and you know that in your heart, you've done it already. He says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So I've never committed adultery, but if you could and get away with it, you've done it already. He says, thou shalt not steal. Oh, my goodness. We live in the end justifies the means. If I can beat you out of a dollar, if I can somehow get that car from you cheap. If I can beat you out of a dollar, if I can, and look, I'll have them tell you, 
tell me all the time, you know, look, uh, well, he should have asked that. Or, well, it's not my fault they didn't ask that. Or, or look, I got to make my money. That's not what God says. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That goes past lying. It's when you're accusing people. That's what my, my son and daughter-in-law, they, have, they gave their life, took a kid off the streets, worked with him, trained him, made him assistant pastor there in, in, in Africa, and, 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 and he's translator, he's doing all this, and while they were home on furlough, I'll just be honest, he just went deep into sin. And lied about it, and lied about it, and finally the a woman came forward, and and my son-in-law just said, "You can't, I can't, you can't be part of my, you can't be my assistant. You can come to church, but you can't be my assistant in this sin, this life, in this lying." And and so, my son called called me, and he said, "He's gone to the church in the villages down there, and told." all kinds of lies against my son-in-law, against my daughter and my children over there. You know what it is? He's bearing false witness against his neighbor. But what do we do? You say, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't try to hurt anybody, but when we repeat things and gossip about people, and let me help you, most of it we don't have a clue if it's true or not. Is this too hard for everybody? And he says, thou shalt not covet. We already mentioned, but the, in these commandments, we find the basis of all sin. Until a lost man admits he's a sinner, he cannot be saved. Until the Christian admits he is, his sin, the sin in his life, he cannot be right with God. The refusal to admit sin in our lives effectively makes us the God of our lives. You say, how do you get that, Brother Hooker? It says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar. God says you have sinned. Now, he'd give you a remedy. He said, if you confess your sin to me, I'll cleanse it. No time frame. He doesn't say confess it today and I'll cleanse it next week. He said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is so good. He said, I know your flesh and I will cleanse you if you'll just admit it to me. If you'll confess it to me. If you'll say that you're wrong about this and I'm right about this. But when we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. Yeah. Well, who's God when we make God a liar? I am. This is not meant to be harsh, honestly. It's really not. It's rather to give hope. For in this admission of sin, we can find great blessing. In this confession of sin, and we can't confess something we won't admit. But when we do, when we confess our sins, he will cleanse us. We, 
will not confess what we do not admit to exist. But when admission and confession take place, we find peace that only cleansing can bring. The truth is, what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to help somebody walk out of this room truly feeling good. To come in and party and sing and dance and play and walk out with somebody telling me everything's good, you're wonderful, it's great, God loves you, so everything's okay. Now, God does love you, but everything's not okay. And when you walk out, listen, folks, if I was a doctor and you walked into me and you had cancer, and I looked at you and said, you know what? You're all right. Nothing wrong with you. Man, I want you to be happy. So let's tell a couple of jokes. Let's listen to some good music. Let's kind of just feel good together. And watch this. Walk on out of here and be happy. Because it's all good. They're going to die. Now, what's, how can they truly walk out happy? When I look at them and say, I'm going to tell you a hard thing. You've got cancer. My daddy went the other day, my brother, they both, they went in and one of them had one form of skin cancer and the other one had the bad form. Um, I forget what, one's carcinoma and one's melanoma. And that doctor said, before you walk out of here, that's got to come out. Now, they cut my brother's head pretty, pretty good through here, and they had to pull it all together. He said he got a facelift. He said, it's a bad way to get it, but I got it. Now, the doctor could have told him, I go on out of here, you'll be fine, it's all good, Take, be happy. Now, watch. He goes out there, and that progresses or digresses, and he's going to die from that. But the doctor said, it's in you and let's cut it out. And they cut it out and he has suffered some pain and gets stitched up and he has suffered a little bit. But watch this now. Who walks out with real joy? Who walks out with real peace? My brother walked out and he might have had a little pain and it might have hurt a little bit to hear about it and it might even hurt to kind of cut it out. It might have hurt to face it. But the truth is, I talked to him when he walked out and he was excited because he said, we got it early. And you know what's happening in our nation today? We're not getting sin early. It's killing us. It's killing our homes. It's killing our marriages. It's killing our families. Destroying us. And you know who's to blame? The people like me that stand behind this pulpit. Because we don't want to tell the people the truth. I want you all to be happy when you walk out. And so let's don't deal with anything bad. So forgive me, folks. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm trying to help you walk out of here. This is what David said in Psalm 51. He said in verses 7 through 12, he, David had sinned horribly. David had committed wicked sin. David had committed sin that hopefully uh, we will never commit. Uh, he, he had committed adultery and murder. Yeah. 
And David said this, he said in verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. You know why he's gonna hear joy and gladness? Because he's asking God, please cleanse me. He said that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Yeah, it hurts to face sin. But he said, when I faced it, God, it hurt me, God, to acknowledge it. But God, you can heal me. He said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Create, listen to this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not that Holy Spirit from me. And watch what he says. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You want real joy? You can find joy in God's salvation. Are you saved? Do you have the joy that is supposed to come from God's salvation? If not, if you say, I know that I'm saved, I know that I know that I know that if I died, I'd go to heaven, but you don't have the joy of God's salvation, then I'm sorry, but I believe it's sin. Sin that needs to be cleansed. And I know this is a hard Sunday morning message, but I believe it's the message of the hour for a nation and a people in our churches. And I don't want you to mistake the invitation. If you've never been saved eternally and eternally cleansed from your sin by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by trusting Christ and him alone to take you to heaven. If, you, if you've never done that, that's something that needs to happen today. You need to have that sin eternally cleansed. But if you are saved and, and, and you, you look at yourself and you say, maybe you say even to come to an altar today that, oh man, if I prayed today, man, I'm not going to altar today because if I did, that would admit I had sin in my life. Let me help you. If we, look, we already know that we do. God has already said that we do. To say that we don't, watch this. I'm gonna help you again. Sin may keep somebody from coming to an altar and confessing sin because pride is what'll keep us from confessing the sin that's in us. Everyone in this room is a sinner at this moment, and that's a sad statement, but we all are. The one who says he has no sin calls God a liar. The pride that keeps us from admitting our sin is sin itself. If you don't know for sure if you died, you go to heaven. It all starts there because you can never walk out of the building without joy. I I don't even understand. I, I hear, I read about churches where they never even offer an opportunity for somebody to trust Christ. They they preach their feel-good gospel and everybody walks out and how you can let people walk out empty, struggling with no joy amazes me. But I'm going to say to you today, if you don't know for sure if you died, you go to heaven, I beg you, please 
Let somebody take the Bible today and show you. It'll take the matter of minutes. We told people yesterday, three, three people, I think, yesterday, through the Word of God, trusted Christ as their Savior. Sweet lady I talked to yesterday in a matter of minutes, trusted Christ as their Savior. It's a wonderful thing. I did it in my dorm room with a Bible uh, years and years ago as I knelt down there. Uh, it gets so easy. God could save you today. You could walk out with peace in your heart like you can never imagine. You could walk out with joy, but watch this now. If you you're saved, listen to me, we don't have to walk out carrying the cancer with us. We can be cleansed. And that is joy. I'll go into some more tonight, not about sin, but the real joy comes from being cleansed. And, and I'm going to preach tonight about the fullness of joy. How do we have it? But it begins when we admit our sin. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed and